Good morning. Good to see you. It's great to see you. Um, if you don't know who I am, I am uh, Mitch Hines. I am the worship and families pastor here at Grace. And I'm super excited to have the opportunity to share what God has been teaching me uh, this morning. Um, I'm going to jump right in because I know it's 4th of July. I know many of you want to get on out, barbecue, and, and I know the weather's coming too, so I'm trying to be mindful of that, but I have a lot to say too, so uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 128, and uh, if you have a Bible with you, please open that up. I love Family Worship Sundays when the kids come and they have their Bibles. It helps them to get familiar with it. Um, they can follow along in there as well. Um, but if you have your app with you, if you have your smartphone, download the app. Um, I have a link I think it's going to show on the screen, but uh, you need to download that. It's a great resource for you. It has notes in there for sermons. It has uh, resources for you for Awana. It has notifications for uh, refuge as well. And then there's a prayer wall. I mean, there's so many things in there. So if you don't have it, please get it. There's The link is graceGA.info forward slash app. What you'll do is you'll type in your phone number. They'll text you the actual link. Can't find it in the app store, but that's an easy way to get it. So Psalm 128 is the psalm that uh, I picked, and it's a psalm of ascents. And if you're not familiar with what that is, scholars believe that this was a, a, a part of a group of psalms that they sang on a journey to Jerusalem on different uh, occasions, uh, different celebrations. So they would travel and they would begin singing these songs. And if you read them in order, they actually, it looks like they start from farther away and then they head up to Jerusalem until they get to the temple where they finish their worship. And so this was one of those psalms and it's likely that Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem, sang this psalm or read this psalm or prayed this psalm with his followers as he often did went up there. So Psalm 128, I'll be reading from the NIV version um, and it says this, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll dive right in. Father, I thank you uh, so much for this opportunity we have. has been mentioned many times. Uh, we have the freedom to come and meet and worship you, proclaim your truth, Thank you for all that you've done in Christ. And God, we pray for all the churches that are meeting uh, right now around this country that we would be uh, united in the gospel. And God, we pray for those churches that have to meet in secret around the world that can't, uh, have, don't have the freedom to do so. And God, we pray that their worship would be sweet as they hide and, and, and praise you. And God, as they uh, spread your word, may you grant them fruit to produce and to uh, reap a harvest, God, for your kingdom. And may that spread around the world. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was studying for uh, this, this morning, and it takes me a little bit longer. John's pretty practiced, so I'm sure he just, he just kind of whips right through it. But it took me a little bit longer. But there were so many things that I thought we could touch on today. Um, I thought about talking about happiness, right? Blessed, that first word there actually means how happy. How happy is the man who fears the Lord? And talk about happiness and what that looks like. Uh, but actually, if you were here in February, we did a three-week series called Are You Happy? 
talking about are you truly happy and blessed and fulfilled. So I thought, well, we kind of already covered that, so I'll look at something else. I could have talked about, with it being 4th of July, this notion of nationalism, right? And you saw the Declaration of Independence up there, and one of the words in there is life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, which relates to this so much so, but I'm not going to focus on that today. I could have also focused on the fear of the Lord, focused hard on what that looks like and what it looks like to walk in obedience to him and knowing that he is God, he is in control. Jesus said in Matthew to fear the one who can kill both body and soul. And so talking, focusing on fear of the Lord, but I'm not going to focus on that today. I could have also dialed in on prosperity, right? And how uh, the, the blessed are you and prosperous are you who toil and work. You will eat the fruit of your labor and, and how work is a form of worship and how in any job you find yourself in, you can find fulfillment and be impactful for the kingdom of God. But I won't focus on that either. And well, I'll touch on some of those things. I wanted to share with, with you what God has been teaching me for a long time, actually, um, even pre-COVID and all that stuff. God's been really working on my heart on a lot of things. And, and uh, this psalm really points to that. And as I got to where I felt like God was teaching me, I, I want to share that with you in hopes that his word would change you as well that his spirit would convict you and then he would do the work in you that he's begun in me. And I'm not, not anywhere near perfect, which is why he's probably still working on me in this, but uh, to share that with you in hopes that he does the same for you. So my main point today is this, families matter. Families matter. Um, I said, you know, pre-COVID and all that stuff, we measure time now with that in mind, right? Was that before COVID or after COVID, right? Pre-COVID, post-COVID. And before COVID, I was asked to step into the role here at Grace of children's pastor. Um, and I want to say before I go any farther that the foundation that was laid for me has been incredible and laid for this church has been incredible. We have a great team of coordinators. We have an incredible team of volunteers. And if you're one of them, you know who you are. And we are so thankful for you for a place that our kids can come and be taught the gospel, taught the word of God, loved on. And as Roy mentioned, those rooms up there are looking incredible. And just what an excitement that brings, having a fresh new room for these kids to enjoy and to be loved on is such a huge blessing. So I would just want you to know that it's a huge benefit to you, the team that has been assembled here. And we're so excited to continue to move forward. As Roy said, we're growing. And so to have uh, just this team that's here prayerfully um, teaching our kids and sharing with our kids. But when I came on, uh, it was pre-COVID, and uh, came on as children's pastor, kind of get my mind wrapped around things, and then COVID happened. And with that came no church, <laughs> right? We weren't meeting together. Kids weren't coming on Sundays. And so that got me thinking, how can I effectively pastor kids, children's pastor, without seeing them? And my first thought was, okay, well, I'll make a bunch of videos and for parents to show their kids, and I'll put some resource packets together, and we'll whip those up and print them all out and ship them on to you guys, and you guys can... Uh, We'll use them and do them however you want. But what I didn't want to do was give you another thing to do. Because just like every one of us, we were stuck at home. Many of you were doing school at home. And that was enough, right? You had all these projects and all those things you had to do. So to give you another thing to do it would probably get pushed to the side, thrown in the trash. And so it got me really thinking. We talked to the staff. We've been, we were praying, and, and I was looking at Scripture and different resources. And so I decided to change my title to Families Pastor. And I presented that before the elders, and we, we had you know, discussions and, and prayed about it. But the intent was, and I have it up here, the, the vision is to disciple, encourage, teach, and equip parents and families 
the foundations and vision of family discipleship. That's what it is, to, to disciple, encourage, teach, and equip parents and families, the foundations and vision of family discipleship. If we can change the dynamics of the family, our impact to our kids will be so much greater than changing just programming and changing Sunday mornings. If we can change the dynamics of the family, our communities will be completely changed, and then our world can be changed as well. And so that's what I firmly believe. Um, And in 1973, Howard Hendricks said this, many Christians today are praying for revival in the church, but there will never be revival in the church unless there is revival in the home. And that was said in 1973. There will never be revival in the church unless there is a revival in the home. So, how does this relate to Psalm 128? Um, It's important to note that as you read this psalm, you'll notice it's directed to fathers. Verse 3 says, your wife. If you look at the original language, it is wife. It is feminine. And your children. And then it says, yes, this is the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Okay, God puts concerted weight upon the father in the home. Because we know when fatherhood breaks down and where fathers don't fear God, bad things happen, and we see that played out in our culture today. But just because the psalm addresses the father does not mean wives, moms, kids, you're off the hook. Okay? You don't want to sit there and, hey, all right, listen up, bud, right? No, this is for everybody. If you notice that it talks to either you're a father or you're a dad or you're a husband or you're a wife or a mom or every single one of us in here is a child. We were born, right? So you're a child. So this applies to every single one of us. And I want to point out that this psalm also shows us an ideal. Unfortunately, we don't live in an ideal world. And so while we apply these principles for sure, we may not get the results we're after. And if you read Proverbs, you see all these things, do this and this will happen. But you see sometimes that doesn't play out as according to what it says. But that's because it's an ideal and this is where God designed it to be and how he wants it to be. And so this is, uh, I just want you to be clear that, well, I did all these things that, you know, Mitch said and what scripture said and things are falling apart. Don't despair. Um, George Horn, and this will be on the screen and it's in a different language, so I'm going to explain it in a little bit different way. Not language, sorry, just old English, sorry. (laughs) can seem like a different language to me at some times. But George Horn said this, if temporary blessings are granted to us, right? So prosperity, uh, happiness in the home, stuff, right? If temporary blessings are granted, we accept them as shadows of those that are eternal. So all these blessings that we receive, we accept them and are so thankful, but we see them as shadows of what's to come, our hope and eternity in Christ. If we are denied these temporary blessings, we may... Uh, remember that they're only shadows, so that it's okay. These are only shadows anyway. I didn't get it, but it's a shadow of what is to come, and we fix our eyes on the substance, he says, but namely that's Jesus Christ, our hope in eternity. So the psalm opens up with, blessed or happy are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. And again, that all who fear the Lord. So it wasn't just addressing dads right away. All who fear the Lord, happy are all those who do so. Um, Charles Spurgeon, we... Uh, typically quote here also a lot, and I just thought this was really well. It is idle to talk of fearing the Lord if we act like those who have no care whether there be a God or no. If you were here last week, John mentioned being a practical atheist, living as if you don't believe, and that's here. That's what this is, right? If we don't care whether there be a God or no, if we act like that, 
It's idle to talk about fearing God if we don't care. And then he says this, God's ways will be our ways if we have a sincere reverence for him. If the heart is joined unto God, the feet will follow hard after him. So the fear of God that it's talking about here, and it explains it walking in obedience, but it's a mixture of reverence, respect, pleasure, joy, and awe. It's the feelings we experience when we realize who God is and what he has done for us, his people. It's like our attitude to the ocean, where I mentioned there's probably some of you at the beach. We're so glad you're here. And if you're watching with the laptop, right, you can see the ocean right out there, you know. Look at the ocean. If you've seen, there should be a picture of the ocean coming up. But if you look at the ocean, you can enjoy it. It's beautiful. You can dive in. You can live around it. You can visit it. You can appreciate its beauty. But at the same time, it's good to have a healthy respect for it. And even at times to be overwhelmed or even in fear of the dangers it has. The people who are safest in the ocean are those who know it best. Knowing where the dangers are and how at a moment's notice the water can drag you under, that riptide can pull you in and and be a really dangerous moment. So uh, that's something what it's like for God's people to fear him. Knowing and reverently respecting him. And it's different for those who don't know Jesus, who are not Christ followers, because this fear is this fear of unknown, maybe even fear of judgment. But for Christians, this fear is, is a true fear that moves us toward him rather than away from him. I speak to my kids quite often when there's a discipline issue, right, and there's even times when I get angry. In, in those moments of discipline and when I'm teaching them, I want them to come to me, right? Even if there's consequences, I want them to come to me and run to me because that's where the safest place is. Most of the time, it's those times of discipline where it's like, you're going to be in danger if I don't stop you from what you're doing. And so I want to pull you in and run to me, not away from me. And that's how God is. God is, there's discipline, there's, there's correction for sure, but in, in our knowledge of God, we run to him because that's the safest place that we can be. God created us for a relationship with him, but we sinned. And if you've heard the gospel before, many times people start with, God created the world, heavens and the earth, And he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve took of the apple, the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, and they sinned and therefore messed everything up for all of us. But it's too easy to see that and say, well, they messed it up. But if you look at your life right now, tell me how often you've messed up. Even this morning. I myself. Right? We messed up. We missed the mark. We fall short every day. We turn against God's ways, we deserve his judgment. But the truth of the gospel, and that's this knowledge of God is the gospel in Jesus Christ. He loved us so much that even in our disobedience, even in our turning away, he sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus to take the punishment for us. Our sin separated us from God. There was a penalty, right? Kids know in Awana, right? All of sin fall short of the glory of God, and the punishment for sin is death, We deserve that judgment. We deserve the wrath of God. And this, I submit to you, is where godly fear comes from. It's a true understanding we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve it. There's no getting around it. Every single day we sin, we make the wrong choice, we act out of impulse rather than faith. We deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus took it. Jesus took the wrath of God. He went to the cross willingly, lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet still said, God, I take it. 
I'll take it. And he allows us to have a relationship with God the Father. He takes away that sin. The song, White as Snow. Our sin was red as white as snow. And I have to say, this changes everything, right? And we believe that and we know that. But then you may sit here and think, but my life doesn't look that different right now. People say, and they explain the gospel, and they say, and this changes everything. But sometimes it's not a drastic change, right? Sometimes it's so slow, you don't even see it at times, and you're like, I'm, I'm still the same messed up person. Why doesn't my life look any different? And it starts with believing that God will complete the work in you he started. If he truly completed a work in you, his word promises he will finish it. He will do that. And then I think it's, it, then it begins with letting things go that you're holding on to. Because so many of us, we've trusted the gospel, I trust Jesus with my life, but uh, not this part. And I'm, I'm going to do this still because it just feels right and feels good. I'm going to do this still. We have to let go of some of the things we're holding on to. Some of us actually have to read our Bibles. And it seems silly, but you can go weeks at a time without reading scripture. Oh, I'm too busy and I'm doing the, and that's okay, I'm, I'm saved by grace, right? We can't rely on yesterday's grace for today's problems. We have to just open our Bible and read. Some of us actually have to pray, right? And not just say we're gonna pray. When someone goes through a hard time, oh, I'll pray for you, and then just walk away. I'm guilty of that. You just forget, and we talk to ourselves more than we talk to God at times. We run things through our heads, and we're not bringing them to God. We're just running through them. Oh, yeah, I prayed about that. Or did you actually just talk to yourself about that? But again, these things take time, right? So you hear all these things, you're like, okay, I got to do better, right? And so tomorrow, you're going to say, all right, I'm going to get up two hours before the kids get up. I heard a little laugh, right? Okay, I'm going to spend an hour reading God's word, and it's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to spend another hour praying. It's just going to be the sweet time. I'm going to talk to God and confess, and he's going to talk to me. And then the next hour, when the kids and your, your spouse are awake, we're going to spend an hour just reading through the Bible, and we're going to be smiling and laughing all the rest of the days of our life, right? That's not realistic, okay? And it's okay. That's not the goal, even. That's not even the goal. If you look at Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books, 12, 13, it says, Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. Fear God, keep his commandments. And so I say all these things to help you understand that your life is going to look different than somebody else's. I think the, the greatest disservice in our, in our world today is the, the service of comparison. And I think social media has done us a great disservice in that as well, right? Because we compare ourselves to other people. And we look and, you know, posting, oh, look at how great my family is, look how big my house is, look at all these cool things. And then we start to compare and even good things, right? So, oh, I had a great time in Scripture this morning, which is fine. But then we compare, oh, my time wasn't that good. How come my time isn't as fruitful as these other people? And we begin to compare. I have to want to be clear. This, your life is going to look different than somebody else's, and that's okay. Someone might look at our family and be like, six kids. I could never do that. And you're not called to. <laughs> right? That's okay. You're not called to do it. Foster care, Right? I could never do that. And that's okay. You're, you might not be called to do it. But if you're feeling guilty and you're called to do it, you probably should. Sorry, that was not in my notes, but I just thought of that. It just came in my head, right? 
But right, we're not, everybody's not called to the same thing. And that's beautiful, that's perfect. But let's stop comparing ourselves and saying, well, you know, their life is all put together, especially Sunday mornings. Because a lot of times we want to put on our Sunday best and come feeling all happy and go lucky. And man, they're just, their marriage is so good and I'm just not feeling it. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to have those times. And it's all different and it's okay. It takes time. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 15 said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And now remain in my love. And the question is, how do we remain in your love? And he says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. And how closely tied to this psalm is, where your wife being a fruitful vine, your kids around, the man who fears the Lord and keeps his commands. Through the strength and the power of Jesus is where this change comes from. So connected to him. It's his strength, not our strength. So fearing God, keeping his commandments. Next in the psalm, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And remember, this is an ideal Right? This, is, this is the ideal of what it looks like, what it feels like as you fear the Lord and walk in his commands. And again, we live in an unideal world. And if your family is far from this ideal, I don't want you to despair. I want you to feel like, well, I'm a failure, so I'm just going to stop. Right? Maybe you're here today and you come from a broken family. Maybe you're a single mom or single dad. Maybe you aren't married or maybe you're a widow, an orphan, adopted, alone. Maybe your kids are grown or maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe your spouse is indifferent or hostile toward the gospel. Or maybe you've even seen moments of this ideal when you were consistent in scripture and you were having family discipleship and things just started to click. And then summer came and vacations came and sports happened with your kids and you're busy and you're running all over the place. Work trips take us out of all the place and then you get out of the habit. And the encouragement that I see from this psalm and from this ideal is it's a picture of a growing family pursuing God together. Again, everybody's at different levels. We use this word sanctification, which is just a fancy word for growing closer and closer to be like Jesus. And so everybody's at a different place and we're all running this race together. So the picture is, are you growing as a family? Regardless of if you take steps back and you get out of the habit, get back into it. The idea here is just to grow and get back and try. And just as olive plants, if you ever planted an olive tree, I read, I'm, I've never done this and I'm not a herbologist or anything, but if you plant an olive tree, it takes five to eight years to get a harvest, to produce fruit, okay? And if it, the verse says that kids are like olive shoots, right? So five to eight years, when you're child training and your kids are little or your kids are a little bit grown and they're still very disobedient, you're not seeing fruit yet, the, the point is don't despair. Keep at it because you will yield fruit. It could be 15, 21, 35. Who knows? You know, th- this is the idea is to continue pushing forward. But also the olive tree is incredibly long-lasting. I have a picture of one that uh, should be showing up here in a second. If you look, you see all these weird-looking trunks. The way the olive tree grows is you have a, a trunk that grows and starts to produce fruit. And then olive shoots, you might not be familiar with that term, but it's basically another trunk that grows from the root up and around the tree. And so what, this, what happens is when that trunk in the middle starts to grow weak and weary, these other ones are growing up around it to keep it stable. 
So in practice, this olive tree can actually last like thousands of years. I read, again, I read it, didn't, don't know this for sure, but they go up around it and protect that tree to produce a harvest for years and years and years and years. And I thought this, what a great image for the family. Whereas mom and dad are in the middle, the two trunks, and then the shoots grow up around it, protecting it, producing fruit for generations and generations to come, making disciples. So as I studied, I thought, what does that look like then? Right, and everybody's different, but Grace Church here, our vision is helping each other know and follow Jesus in our home, city, and world. And the key is helping each other. So that's our goal. That's why Grace Church exists. That's why we're here, to help you know and follow Jesus, which is that discipleship, that sanctification, to grow in that. And so we offer things to help you. And that first one is K-Group. Roy talked about regroup is coming up August 1st. K-Groups are what we use as families to grow together, to live life alongside one another, to share your struggles, to have a moment away from the kids and just talk about what's going on, to go through a study and live life together. Life share. We did a series on that for a while called Life Share. It's just sharing that life together. If you're not part of a K-group, I strongly, strongly encourage you to go and come to this regroup August 1st. If you're in a K-group, come too. And you can invite people to your group and see all the groups that are happening and have lunch together. It's a great time to get together. But K-group is our first step in that discipleship is families encouraging and growing together. Second step, what we call fight clubs. These are smaller groups of men and women, so women don't think, oh, it's all guys thing. No, there's women's meet together, two, three, or four of you together for accountability, deeper study, personal application. These are people you intentionally allow to call you out when you fail and that you intentionally allow, uh, they allow you to call them out when they fail. It's that both and discipleship. We also have talked about this before. Uh, we haven't officially launched. We will launch in August, but it's marriage mentoring. We have a lot of couples who have been trained in this. And before, right away when this happened, marriage mentoring, everybody's thinking, oh, I'm not doing counseling. It's not counseling. This is not something that you need to go to for um, when your life's on the rocks or your marriage is on the rocks or anything like that. Please seek help if that's happening. But marriage mentoring is for everybody. I can tell you that my wife and I, we went through the training, we're trained in this, and we went through with other couples, but it, part of that training was to be mentored by someone else. And what a great encouragement for us. We have a great marriage. I, I love my wife and I love our family, but we had some areas to work on. And we, we were very convicted and broke down. I think there were probably tears, most likely me. And uh, it, it was just a moment of, this is truth that we needed to hear to change. And we were still working on it, not perfect, but God is using this program to change marriages. And there's couples that have gone through this, and there are couples going through it right now. It's incredible. So I encourage you. It's in the app. You can sign up for it. And we will launch in August. So if you want to wait till then, that's okay as well. So we talked about things for adults, right? You have Sunday morning, K-group, fight club, and marriage mentoring. But then for kids, right, we have Refuge in Awana. Now, these programs are from age 3 to 12th grade, right, Wednesday nights. And so while parents are at K-group, that meets on Wednesday nights, your students are in a group of their own, learning and growing with other peers. Um, both of these groups have incredible resources for you to use. Um, and I want to kind of pause a little bit and, and make sure that you know our ultimate goal. I start to list off some of these things, and I know many of you are like, okay, here's a checklist, right? But I thought Mitch didn't want to give us a bunch of to-dos, right? I talked about that before. These are not just a list of to-dos to force you to do something we're teaching them. 
These are a list of things that you can do in your home if you need something. But if you're already discipling, if you're already doing something, we want to reinforce what you're doing at home. We want to reinforce everything you're learning. So when your kids come to Iwana and say, hey, yeah, my dad talked to, about this in Scripture, we talk about it. We don't say, oh, yeah, that's not what we're doing today. No, we talk about it. And Jeremy, I know for sure, he's talked about where when kids come and they're actually studying, reading Scripture, it so often relates to the series they're going through and what more fruitful discussion that happens. But these are things that are available to you if you don't know what to do next as adults and for your kids. It's not just another thing to do. Our goal is to partner with you. Uh, just a, a brief plug, Awana is going to do a, a parent orientation to show you how you can use the book in your discipleship. That first week that K-groups meet, it'll be a little bit shorter, and then we'll have a parent orientation. And Jeremy told me that they'll be doing one in the late summer for parents of refuge, so they're not at the same time, and you can go to both and see how you can use these resources. Um, another thing that we started doing, and this was kind of birthed out of the COVID not seeing anybody deal, are the family projects. Um, and if you haven't gotten one for the Psalm series, I strongly encourage those as well. They're a great resource, again, not the only, and not you have to do this to get better at a fa- as a family. No, it's just an option to use to foster gospel conversations in your home. You read through the psalm, and they're all the psalms that we're doing and speaking on every Sunday. And since it's Family Worship Sunday, we thought that'd be a good idea since most of the kids are in here, and then you can learn together. Um, We've said this before, too, but I think it's worth saying again, Family Worship Sundays. Some some of you are like, this is kind of dragging on here. My kids need to go up and and go up there. And while age-appropriate teaching is great, that's why we run the programs we run, that's why we have those available, and the volunteers, like I said, are great, and they love on those kids, and those, the program we use is called the Orange Curriculum, if you want to look it up, but they have great videos, great gospel-centered teaching that's not just about behavior change, it's about knowing who Jesus is and how he changes us. But Family Worship Sunday, again, our, our vision for that is that parents, you are the primary disciplers of your kids. And so this is your opportunity as you come to church together to show them what being in church is like together, to show them what worshiping and and singing together is like, what taking communion is about, what seeing baptism, what that's all about, right? You have these opportunities for conversation. If they were not here, you'd miss out on some of those things. And I know it can be frustrating, especially um, when there's clipboards dropping, especially when the kids are crying or they have to use the restroom for the fourth or fifth time. But these are opportunities for growth. They're opportunities for training. They're opportunities for teaching. And it doesn't bother any of us. And I can guarantee you, it doesn't bother anybody around you either. It's just you. <laughs> it really, when your kid's crying, you're like, oh, they're so loud. And everybody's like, who's crying? You, you just, you think they're so loud, but that's not the point. And I'll think of it this way, when the clipboards drop, which I haven't heard any drop today, so good job, unless I missed it. Unless I missed it. But when the clipboards drop, this could be something somebody needed to refocus, right? Sometimes we're, it's getting close to time and you know, Mitch is getting a little long and I'm ready for lunch and we start thinking of all the things we have to do and that clipboard drops, oh yeah, no, I'm here and focusing on what God's doing. So God could use that. So think of those clipboards as a blessing. But again, the, the staff here and the elders here at Grace are here to serve you. You're not here to serve us. We are here to help you in your discipleship on your walk with God. So if you need help, you need resources. Let us know. 
We don't have the, uh, the resource card out today because we're tearing down right after church. It'd be hard to try to keep that going, but also tear down at the same time. But we have a, a bookstore that books resources, and the elders are back there that can tell you what resources to pick from and those things. If you need to know something, just tell us. We are here to help you know and follow Jesus. And I firmly believe that when families begin to thrive, our community will begin to thrive, and that in turn will affect the whole world. And not thrive like American dream, right? And blessings and prosperity, right? And money. No, no, no. It's, it's the kingdom of God, fearing him and walking in his ways. A while ago, John started closing out his messages with what he calls head, heart, and hands. And these are just three action steps uh, that you can use um, that involve uh, knowledge, emotion, and action, right? Head, heart, hands, knowledge, emotion, and action. Some of you love knowledge, you think knowledge is power and easy to memorize things for you and you just love to know things. It helps you worship, it helps you grow, it helps you understand things. Some of you are more emotional, like me. I'm a little more emotional, right? When the music starts to swell, yes, that's it right there. And you read scripture and you just love that. You're more emotional and that's how you learn. Some of you are doers, right? You love a checklist. All right, just give me the list of things and that's how I'm gonna grow, right? And all of these things are okay and they're good, and so as I go through head, heart, and hands, I can guarantee you, you've already assumed or figured out what you're going to do with one of those three. You, that's just your natural tendency. So my challenge to you is to pick one that's less natural to you so that you can try a couple different things, try a couple of the other things. So head, know the resources you have available to you. We're here to help. So resource table, K-group, fight club, Awana, refuge, marriage mentoring, all these things are available to you to seek them out, to help you know them, find them, use them. Uh, for your heart, ask yourself if you fear God. Do you fear God? That's an emotional question in and of itself. Do you, do you fear God? Pray for a heart that fears the Lord, that desires to know him, desires to walk in his ways. And then your hands, do something. One thing, pick a thing and do it. Some ideas would be to read scripture consistently, but my challenge in that is be, cons be uh, sorry, be specific. Consistent also, but be specific. 10 minutes before I go to work or 10 minutes before I work out. Or the, be specific on it or 30 minutes before going to bed. I'm going to do this. Be specific and do it. Maybe it's just praying with your spouse every night. I have to be honest, I struggle with that and I don't know why. I do, whether we stay up too late, which is a, another problem of mine, stay up too late and then you just go to bed or we're too exhausted. Or just, maybe it's just consistently praying. Maybe it's using the Psalm Project with your family. Find one thing you can do and start. Do something. We're going to take communion today. And uh, I want to do it a little bit differently than normal. I'd like you as families to just circle up right where you're seated. You don't have to go anywhere. But just at least circle up so everybody can hear each other. And I want us to get together and pray out loud just a prayer of confession. And I'm actually going to even ask those who are up serving and those on cameras, go ahead, get down with your family. If those watching online, it seems like this is kind of weird, it's okay, check in with us in a little bit. But go ahead and get with your family, get your community. If you don't have one, go ahead and raise your hand. One of the deacons will bring out some, uh, uh, some of the cups. Um, but I'll stand still, DJ, so you can go ahead and move. You go ahead, I'll stay right here. <laughs> um, but what I want to do together is to 
pray a prayer of confession and just confess that we've all messed up, right? Because that's the truth. We've all messed up. We all fall short. And I want to encourage dads, start, confess. It's one of the greatest encouraging things for your family to hear, just you confessing. God, I messed up. God, I desire to be better. I desire your strength to help me. If you're here alone too, by the way, you're here with a family of God, so don't, don't feel like I'm, I'm leaving you out. And uh, this is a great opportunity for you just to spend some time in, in prayer yourself and deep reflection. But just confess, and then moms pray, and kids pray, and just confess to God where you've messed up, where you've fallen short. And then ask him for, your, for help, for his strength. And as we do that, after we pray, after a time, I will go ahead and, and lead us in taking communion together. And then uh, we'll finish up there. We'll go, I'm going to go down with my family as well. But take some time. And just praying out loud. Nobody has to hear you except your family. Just pray and, and confess for God. I just want to end our time this morning by praying the remaining verses in the psalm over you. It's not some magical prayer to help you prosper or stay healthy, but it's a desire for God through his spirit to bless you with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That through Jesus, you have a deep-rooted happiness in whatever situation you find yourself in. And if you find yourself in the midst of prosperity, to share that. If you find yourself in the midst of lacking, you remember there's just a shadow of what's to come. So I'll pray, may the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Amen.